Welcome to Conversations with Soul, a podcast with the intention to bring you back home to yourself. These Heart to Hearts are hosted by Miri and Liz, the co-owners of Soul Cleanse, a holistic health offering specializing in organic juice and whole food cleanse programs, plus so much more. With our guests, we will be diving into conversations about holistic health, spirituality, emotions, relationships, sustainability, plus other juicy topics that light us up. Hello and welcome to episode number four. You're with Mary today and I'm chatting with Juliet Allen. Juliet is a global leading sexologist and mentor. As a committed mother and a sexually empowered woman, Juliet draws on her background in psychology, sexology, yoga and kundalini tantra to empower men and women to embrace their sexuality and transform their sex and relationships. In this episode, we talk about parenting and long-term relationships, how that impacts on our sexual connection with our partners and how to keep your sexual connection alive. We talk about masculine and feminine energies, what they are and how to keep the polarity in relationships to spark sexual attraction. We talk about the effect of porn and how to educate our children on sex. We discuss the importance of self-pleasure. And Juliet shares with us a hot tip about sex magic, how to use sex to manifest what you want, and so much more. Hello and welcome today. We're so excited to have with us Juliet Allen. Um, And it's fun for me because I've known Juliet for a long time and followed her journey. So I'm really excited to dive in a little bit more about where she's come from and what she's doing now. I know she's a busy mum, so um, lots of people listening to this, I'm sure, will be in a similar situation. So let's start off with asking you the question that we love to ask all our guests, which is what do you do regularly that brings you home to yourself? Thanks for having me. Um, What do I do regularly? Well, at the moment, there's no regular rituals or routines because I have a 14 month old baby and as you know Miriam um that does not allow for as much routine as before yes being a mum of a young child but what I do is I go for walks that really helps me come home to myself because I enjoy just going for like I walk every morning or afternoon, especially when I'm feeling a bit frazzled and I need to like return to my center and ground myself. Mm -hmm. So being out in nature and walking really helps. Hot showers by myself with the door closed really help me at the (laughs) moment. (laughs) Um, They're great. A sauna, we have an infrared sauna that's just like, I just Mm. hide away in that. (laughs) It's like a hot, quiet space where no one can interrupt me. So, yeah, there's a few things that I do. I love all those things too. And I love that what you said about not having that regular routine with a little one. I know there's so much pressure, I guess, in what we see in social media and what we hear even in podcasts when when you speak, you know, hear people that are doing great things like yourself in, you know, coaching or leadership sort of roles and they have these really intense morning routines that I think can feel quite unrealistic and and you know it can be a little bit depressing I think sometimes for for people who are listening to the you know all these things that people are doing in the morning and just like that just is not going to work for me 
Definitely. Mm. And I think we've got to remember when we're following people on social media that half of it's probably not reality of the situation too. But you know what I wanted to share was what helps me have a bit of routine in the mornings is my partner and I, we have scheduled mornings where we don't have to look after Sol, our baby. So for those listening, I have a teenager who's 16 and then I have Sol who's 14 months. So teenager does her own thing really. But what we do, and we've done this since he was probably like two months old or something, is four mornings, four set mornings a week yeah. from the moment he wakes up, Nick takes him till about 9am and I ha- can either sleep in or I go to Pilates or I have a sauna or I go for a walk or I just lay in bed and scroll on my phone, do whatever the fuck I want. Yes for that time and then three mornings a week Nick has his scheduled mornings where he often goes to the gym or goes surfing and that's really helped us as parents have Mm. a bit of routine because um, and it's helped with the resentment that I think parents can feel around like well I've had the baby you know every morning this week and you got to surf and then resentment Mm. leads to shit going down. Uh, Yeah I love that around the schedule piece and having like the discipline those like the moments that you know that you can count on having to yourself. I feel like oh. it, that that can get you through those the other moments. I think for me, you know, I've been separated from my daughter's dad since she was four. So even mm. just knowing the the nights that she'll be with him and knowing that I'm going to have my beach walk or my surf or whatever on those yeah. mornings, I find that to be really helpful. But it's it's awesome that you can achieve that within your relationship and have have that mm. all scheduled. I love that. Yeah takes a bit of planning but it's worth it yeah yeah um let's just start a little bit just so people can get some context about who you are and we you know what has happened in your life so far to get you to where you are now and just a little bit of background on Julia Allen I love that you know you saying that your daughter's 16 now because I think when we first met I think she was about three or four maybe yeah so that's cool. I, yeah. I love it. And I, and I saw that, um, I think you did a post about you did, had your first client about 10 years ago and where Sol, Sol Cleans is turning 10 at the end of this year. So wow. I love that, yeah, that from, from those sort of fumbly beginnings when I was doing massage therapy and you're doing yoga teachers teaching mm. and then and now we find ourselves at this point. So I'd, I I'd love, love I to did hear. Re- I reflected on that actually, how I used to, I was teaching yoga for you at Cabarita in that tiny yeah. little studio yeah. and like running like Reiki courses and stuff yeah. and driving what felt like hours from Burley to Cabarita <laughs> to this tiny little town and now it's Cabarita and it's, you know, buzzing yeah. and it's been a while since we've known each other, that's for sure. Yeah, so can you share just a little bit about Julia Allen's journey? From there, sure, from I'm there to here. Juliet Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be the expert on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, okay, from a from a young age, I've been really comfortable talking about sex. Really interested in it. I didn't have sex till I was eighteen, but I was always really uh, like comfortable in my own skin, and it was something that I was fascinated by and re- always reading about too. When I left school, I studied psychology and then I travelled heaps. I hated psychology and I was like, why did I do that? But I guess I just did it because I thought that was what I was meant to do at the time, go to uni and get a degree. I had my daughter at age 20, on my 24th birthday she was born. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and she um, changed my life completely and definitely I think I went from maiden to mother, as we know, when Mm. we give birth just overnight. Suddenly we're like, oh, who is this woman and Mm. now what what does life mean for me? So that was a big change for me. I studied to become a doula and I started supporting women throughout their pregnancy and birth as a doula, which I loved and I noticed that a lot of the women were moving through like sex stuff. Mm. So things were coming up from their, for them during their pregnancy or during their birth that was re- related to their sexuality, which I found fascinating. Mm. And then I studied to become a yoga teacher and started teaching yoga to adults and also had a kids' yoga business. So the whole time I've been quite entrepreneurial since a very young mm. age and always studying and interested in health and serving people in mental health too. And so fast forward to, I would think I was about 29 and I thought, okay, I'm sick of teaching yoga. This feels like for me, there was something more and I didn't know what it was, Mm -hmm. but there was something more Mm -hmm. than just kind of namasteing. And (laughs) I, I don't know, it just, lacked depth for me at that stage of my life and so I decided to study sexology and I did a master's in sexology and the reason I did it was because my whole life I'd been exploring sex and been very curious about sex and wondered how I could make a career out of that and Mm -hmm. as soon as I started studying it I was like oh my god this is it like this is what I've been searching for Mm. and it came very natural to me and so I launched into a career as my, as a sexologist and back then, it was about 10 years ago, there wasn't many sexologists mm. around, especially in Australia. So I was leading the way. I've always been very particular about doing it in a tasteful, beautiful, mm. like visual yeah. way too, which I think made me stand out. And that's the story. The very yes. long story turned into a short story of how I yeah. got to where I am now. Yeah, I love that. And then you also weaved in some more like spiritual sort of practices in your work as well. Is that right? Yeah. So I studied sexology and then I started working as a sexologist and then I started to explore Tantra. Mm-hmm. And that was the catalyst for that was I was in a relationship that I'm no longer in with a woman our relationship was quite tumultuous and we wanted to feel more connected and Mm -hmm. I was interested in Tantra and so we went and did like a two-day course or something Mm -hmm. and then I just was like oh my god this is me like this is it it's so Mm. holistic and far less sciencey than sexology Mm. and alternative and so I began exploring Tantra and I traveled the world and just studying and had different mentors and teaching and eventually teaching firstly just helping others and Mm -hmm. learning from others and I integrated all those teachings into and my teacher training into my work as a sexologist and I think Mm. that also is what made me stand out back then now there's a lot more people doing it but back then because I was bringing that holistic approach to Mm. my career yeah I think it's great when you can bring both of them hand in hand I suppose like having that foundation of a sexologist then also having that um, less brain sort of oriented 
practices because you know there's the opposite's true as well especially in our area and like around Mullumbimby when you have more like just the tantra stuff and I'm imagining maybe that gets a little bit non-therapeutic let's say sometimes yeah I guess it can swing from one extreme to the other Mm. and tantra can be extremely alternative and definitely not for everyone but what I've attempted to do and I think I have done it successfully is brought it into a more digestible way that people can understand it and always um, had in mind not just the alternative community of people in the world but Mm. the mainstream people who have no idea what's lacking in their sex life. Mm. But they know something is and Tantra explains what that is. Yeah. Um, Could you share with us what that is? Well, it's different for everyone. Like we're all so unique and Mm. whether we're single or in a relationship, it doesn't matter. This isn't just for people in relationships that I'm Mm. speaking to. But what I feel is lacking and from experience working with thousands of people as a um, a one-on-one basis as a Mm -hmm. coach is like a really deep connection that, often a lot of us don't feel when we're having sex. Mm. So sex can be very mechanical. Um, We can often engage in sex because we feel we have to or because Mm -hmm. we're just horny and we kind of just want to get ourselves off in a way and release Mm -hmm. some energy in our body. And so it can be mechanical and feel disappointing afterwards Mm -hmm. and very goal-driven. So like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to have sex because... I want to come or I want to have an orgasm Mm -hmm. or I just want to serve him or serve her. And then Mm -hmm. many people are just left lying there afterwards, just like, fuck, that was actually not great. And I feel Mm. really empty and then have like this kind of like sex hangover afterwards Mm -hmm. for days. What Tantra can bring into relating with ourselves and with others is like a deeper connection to our heart space Mm to others, to what we truly desire, like a full acceptance of our sexuality and Mm. our sexual energy and a full different orgasmic experiences. I mean, there's so much Mm. to it. So when you work with people, do you usually work with individuals or with couples or a bit of both? Both. Yeah, Yeah, both. So um, I would say 70% individuals, 30% couples. Yeah. Okay. Okay, interesting, because I can imagine that it would be super helpful for couples to start the conversation with, like, a professional supporting that, you know, because sometimes it's mm. it's a bit of a barrier just to bring up, you know, this maybe a desire for something a little bit more but not even maybe knowing what what the more is or how to do that. So I can imagine it would be really supportive to have somebody guiding people. Yeah, definitely. I think having someone there to facilitate conversations and just support conversations Mm. is always valuable Mm. you know even just for relationship stuff in general it's so important Mm. for the longevity of relationships to have that support in general Mm. and so yeah when it comes to sex it's so helpful and like you said a lot of people don't know what's missing until they experience it and then they're like oh this is what I was looking for so Sometimes we just have to kind of start exploring, not knowing mm. where it's going to take us, but knowing that we want something more than what we're experiencing now. Yeah, and I guess that really relates back to the, I feel like a massive issue that I see a lot with 
people that have either been in a long-term relationship or when kids come into the picture and then that whole energy for the exploring and the seeing what happens and even for each other and making each other priority, you know, really gets pushed to the side. Oh my gosh. Yes, it does. It totally does. And this is on topic for me because me and Nick always joke at the moment, like how are we supposed to be having sex? Like, mm. you know, we go, we co-sleep. Well, we actually yeah. co-sleep half the night now. We've, we've like transferred him to sleeping in a cot next to us for half the night just so we can cuddle to sleep. Yes. But then, as you know, kids wake up before us. Mm -hmm. Well, they do. I'll speak for myself. He wakes up before us. So we've got, like, him in the bed and it's lovely. But then so morning sex is out and then day sex is out because one of us is looking after him or we have a nanny but she's here at home with us. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, that leaves the night. So... It's definitely, I think, having children is definitely a challenge on the sex life. But for us, it's not a problem at all, personally, mm. because we have such a great foundation of such a great sex life that we know this is just a season in our life. Yeah. And I think that's what can help other parents is like knowing, okay, this is really challenging right now, mm. but it's just a season and it's okay and it's going to pass. Yeah, and I feel like it also then comes down to when you sort of come out the other side about making it a priority because I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, you know, can't really be bothered or or don't really see that as a priority as their kid's getting older. Yeah, I mean, you both have to be on the same page in relationship with that one and that's Mm. a conversation that I encourage couples to have is like, is this a priority for you both? If it isn't a priority for you both, then that's where you need to have the trickier conversations about why and how are we going to move forward if it's not Um, but if it is then that's great that you're both on the same page Mm. if if you were working with someone that came to you that wasn't really feeling like it was a priority especially um, I think I feel like women especially have a bit of a slump in their libido around that whole children piece Mm. How would you, and I know obviously it would be different for different people, but what are some main themes that you see or ways that you can support people or suggest they things that they try or explore when they come to you with that kind of situation? Yeah, well, I think just firstly acceptance of where we're at as mothers is really important mm. because we can always be wishing, oh, I wish that it was like, I wish things were how they used to be before mm. kids is a yeah. big one for mums and it's like it's it the reality is it's never going to be how it used to be it's gone it's gone that life has gone mm. you know are now a mother which is a blessing as you know even as challenging as it is so first acceptance is really big and mm. when we can accept where we're at or where our libido is at or our mental health or whatever then mm. I think that can then help us take the steps to moving forward I always, for clients, will go straight to like referring them to a naturopath to get their mm-hmm. hormones checked and their, you know, their bloods done. And because throughout pregnancy and childbirth, as you know, it's such a big like change for the body. And I, when our hormones are out of whack, or for example, our iron's really low, or there's something there that's just not quite in balance, mm. it can really affect our libido. Um, And so that's the first port of call for me is like consulting with a naturopath or a holistic doctor who can help us to explore what's going on there. 
and then like eating really healthy and movement, all these things contribute and, and like relationship health. So communication, if we, if we're in a relationship is really important. So they're some of the foundational pieces that I begin with, with clients. Yeah. It's funny. You don't really, that's not really the first thought when you think about your sexual health or having a really great sexual relationship. Is it that, you know, you start with food and, and your nutrition I mean, it makes yeah, sense, no. but, but it's not like if, if I was no. coming to a session with you, that's, that I wouldn't expect that to be the first port of call. But I think that's a really awesome takeaway for people who are maybe, I don't know, I guess you can feel, get quite hard on yourself or feel really guilty or shamed if you, if you think that you're lacking in some way with your sexuality or your, your drive, especially with a partner that, you know, that might want, want it more than you and you might feel like. Yeah, not good enough or you know there's so much complexities of emotions when it comes to sex and sexuality definitely yeah mm. definitely and I think it depends on the partner that you have too like mm. you know it's up to our partners to do the work on themselves to come into acceptance too that this is where we're at and also acknowledging that it's not always the woman whose libido is low like it's surprisingly the opposite the man's mm. libido is low and the woman's wanting all this sex and the man doesn't have a libido. And so it's good to name that because that's actually much more common than we think or than that's what's spoken about. Mm. I suppose like horny being... women and men who are just too fucking tired and just want to go to sleep <laughs> yeah. and really frustrated horny women. Like that's a big, you know, big <laughs> challenge that people come up against yeah but I guess you've kind of hit the nail on the head with that tiredness piece right like it mm-hmm. I almost feel like like biologically if you're feeling tired and depleted your body's not wanting to procreate is it so it's like everything's switched off in that in that direction yeah I mean that's that's you've hit the nail on the head that's it like our body do decommissions our sex drive if we're stressed and we're sleep deprived and rightly so because ultimately yeah. our body is driven to procreate that's you know that's why we have this desire to make love essentially I mean yeah that's yeah. very <laughs> base, general baseline that will trigger some but you know what I mean so yeah. um and then so it, it makes sense that our body's like no way you're having sex right now you just had a baby you're not having another baby so settle down and try and catch up on sleep rather than have sex yeah I love that and I guess you talk quite a bit in your work about masculine feminine energy um mm. and I'm imagining that's a part of it as well yeah, when I speak about masculine and feminine energy, it's more like the yin and the yang. You could think of it inside mm. all of us, no matter what gender we are or we yeah. identify as. So I identify as a woman and I am assuming you identify as a woman. <laughs> I do. Unless things have changed since we last. <laughs> so, but so within us we have, you know, masculine energy and then feminine energy or, you know, yang and yin energy. Mm. and within relationship then there's that dynamic of like often whether it's a same-sex relationship or a heterosexual relationship there's one person who embodies the masculine energy more and Mm -hmm. one who embodies the feminine and in order for there to be really great sex and a desire for there to have be sex between two people there needs to be a polarity between those energies so one person Mm -hmm. really needs to be more in 
masculine, one needs to be in the feminine. And that's when the fireworks happen. It's like two magnets come together, you know, with those polarizing energies. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's another thing that I work with when I am working with people is like exploring those energies and, you know, the dynamics in relationships to see what's going on because, yeah, it's a big one. Because, I I mean, I imagine in our society there's probably the majority of women wouldn't really be moving through their lives with that predominant yin energy with their with whether it's a mother who's you know keeping schedules and remembering everything and got all the to-do list or if it's a woman that's working and um you know and maybe a more masculine environment even yeah it's definitely more common I would say these days um as opposed to say back when our parents were parenting Mm. together that women are more like taking on a lot of different roles. So like you, you and I are taking on the parenting role, the businesswoman role, mm. you know, the lover, the mother, the everything. And yeah. we can be very like driven, which is admired in our culture, like driven mm. women who are really, you know, quote unquote successful. Mm-hmm. But that can be um, to the detriment of our sex life basically because yeah. um, then it's like two people in a relationship often especially in heterosexual relationships where the man is really driven and he has his to-do list and is go, go, go and wants Mm. to provide. And then the woman's like, well, I want to also match that energy. But when there's a woman matching the guy's energy like that, there's, it's just like not going to create polarity at all. And I'm not saying women need to be, you know, submissive and just parenting and floating about dancing at home, waiting for their man (laughs) to come home at all. But it's good to be aware of that if we're in that masculine, it can kill our sex lives. Mm. And I guess I've heard you talk about how even if you're in that, you know, that space during the day, there are things that you can do to sort of bring you back into your more feminine, softer energy when you do want to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so many things we can do and we've got to find things that we enjoy Mm. as individuals. Yeah. Mm. What would be some things typically that would help with that? Uh, Well, for me, it's like having a hot bath and just putting Mm. essential oils in and enjoying like the heat on my body and just resting back. Mm -hmm. That helps me drop into my feminine, especially at the end of the day. It's like it marks the end of the day. Definitely I'm having more ba- uh, less baths since <laughs> <I was> born. <laughs> Actually, you know, I just had a link. Soul is spelled soul. Soul's yes, and yeah, I heard that. I didn't even that. think of that link. But um, anyway, so that's one thing I do. Dancing is really mm-hmm. a feminine practice. So if you can pick up a practice of dancing or if you love dancing, just put on like a track and dance. What else is great for feminine? Um, being in the ocean, the ocean is feminine. It's just moving mm. and just flowing. And so even like being in the ocean and just letting it like float there and feeling the energy of the ocean can feel really great at allowing us to like drop back into that energy. So, I mean, there's so many different things. I feel like maybe we should just rewind quickly and I'm wondering if you could just give your explanation of what masculine and feminine energy embodies yeah Yeah, okay I'm gonna just let people know if they want like a um more comprehensive guide on this I actually just revamped my masculine and feminine guide and it's a free guide um and it has all the different qualities of the the two polarizing energies and then things we can do to drop into those energies Mm -hmm. um and it's beautifully 
kind of laid out. So if you want that, uh, go to my website and jump on my mailing list and then you get that for free. But um, some of the things like the masculine is more driven, more like goal-oriented, holds space for the feminine to unfold. So think of the masculine like the really strong tree trunk. Like think of a beautiful Mm -hmm. big oak tree, for example. The masculine is the tree trunk with the roots in the ground solid. The feminine is like the branches and the leaves moving Mm -hmm. with the wind around the tree trunk or like the snake moving around the, the tree trunk. The feminine flows is more receptive, open, creative, but like there's so much. This is like a whole podcast episode yeah. in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that because obviously, like you said, you can embody masculine or feminine energy with both. Mm. Would a relationship, a sexual relationship work with, say, a male body that embodied feminine energy and a female body that embodied masculine energy? So there's still the polarity, but it's sort of in the opposite yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, it can definitely work. That's actually quite common that the man's actually more in his feminine these days and the woman's in mm. her masculine. Mm. But, I mean, we, we embody both. So, like, saying that, it just means that predominantly we're more in one mm. or the other. But we yeah. have it, just, just reminding people, we have both energies in our body. So, yes, that can work. It just depends if that feels good for you in your relationship, that yeah. dynamic, and that's that's for you to explore. And that's when we go back to really needing someone like myself or any other professional mm. that you resonate with who can guide you and support you to explore that within your relationship because you can't do it by yourself. These are complex, yeah, yeah. like concepts. Yeah, when you and when you talk about the polarity, you know, like I feel like. In the past, I've definitely been really, really in my masculine. And then as I've gotten older and and been more intentional, I suppose, I feel like I've softened more into my femininity, but I still feel like I'm I've definitely got like a strong presence of my of the masculine energy. And I I feel like I've heard someone say once that it's like, you know, 51% fem, feminine, 49% masculine is is balanced or something like that. Is that Oh, I don't know. I suppose you can't really put a percentage on that. That's very masculine, (laughs) Miriam. (laughs) That's very masculine to want to have percentages. That's funny. (laughs) But do you know? Do you know what I mean? That it doesn't. It's not like, yeah, like like, I mean, you've touched on it. That to be in your feminine, you don't have to be floating around all day long to be able to create a polarity with your with your partner. No, you don't. Mm. Not at all. My advice for people if they want to like embody more one or the other of the two energies is to find people who embody it and then be around them and get a transmission of that. So like Mm. I would say my essence is feminine but I can definitely go into my masculine lots and I have Mm -hmm. to be very mindful of that because if I do then it just uh, messes with the polarity with my partner. But how I've learned to be more in my feminine is to actively seek out women and mentors who are in their mm. feminine and spend time with them and notice how they move through the world and yeah I've spoken to a woman once that she does sort of like dancing with eros transmissions and she mentioned you know in, in our culture we don't really even visibly see women in their maybe more feminine essence in mm. our culture mm. so it's, yeah it must be pretty 
potent, I suppose, just to, to witness it. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you can get a transmission like that, it's just like mm. mind blowing for a woman or a man. And with, I guess, with the feminine being in the feminine energy and really bringing yourself into a, a space of wanting to be connecting with your partner, I'd see that you've done an ebook on self pleasure. Yeah, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about, um, you know, the, the what motivated you bring out that book and the importance that you place on getting to know yourself and what you like. Yeah, well, self-pleasure, I feel, in my opinion, is the foundation of great pleasure with others. If we can Mm. really explore our own body and our own pleasure centres and touch and our heart and the energy in our body and master that and connect to that, then when we step into relating with others, we can bring that energy and that knowing of ourselves into relating with others. And that's really powerful. There's nothing Mm. more powerful than to like make love to somebody who is so embodied in their own sexual essence and who's explored that like yeah, it's really sexy and it's a turn on to be with that. So mm. I see that as the foundation, which is why I focus on it a lot. I think you must be referring to a, a resource I brought out very recently, which is a yeah. free resource on self-pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one. And lots of us mm. don't. Like we're shamed as a child when we self-pleasure yeah. because we begin self-pleasuring. I mean, we begin self-pleasuring in the womb, like from studies. So, and then, you know, we know as mothers that young children touch their genitals and it feels good from like the day they're born and that's okay but what we do as parents in general is shame them or you know hit their hand away or quickly put the nappy on and be like don't touch your penis or you know instead of encouraging them and saying well like you found your penis how amazing like it's beautiful how cool is this like you know (laughs) so yeah Oh, there's so much to be done around that, isn't there, with with those conversations. Yeah, yeah, and I I definitely think about that with my almost eight-year-old and, you know, wanting to be, I guess, age-appropriate but also wanting to be really positive and and Mm. pro-feeling good, basically, you know. And, and like, you know, she, she, yeah, just wanting to be really positive about about all, all things of, all parts of your body, I guess. Yeah, I guess you yeah. I mean you've been through that like with your 16-year-old. How mm-hmm. how did how have you talked about sex with her throughout her aging? Well, mm. I have just been of the belief and I was taught by a mentor actually who inspired me in this way that as parents, we don't necessarily have to have like quote unquote the talk It's more Mm. like us as mothers or fathers and fathers just embodying our own sexuality and our own sexual energy and prioritising intimacy and having our children witness that from a very young age. So for me, I've always been really honest with my daughter. Her dad and I broke up when she was 18 months old. So we, Mm -hmm. um, from that age, she's you know, I was single for years and then I've been in a couple of different relationships and now with Nick for five years. But in every relationship, she's visibly seen me being intimate, obviously not sexual, Mm -hmm. but being intimate with my partners. And 
that's normal for her and she knows if the mm-hmm. doors close that you don't you, you have to knock because I could be making love like she knows these things she, it, it's just like normal it's normal conversation yeah. it's not like oh my god my mum suddenly I realize my mum's having sex she knows I have sex she knows I love sex it's normal we talk about it all so it's just been like part of life over the dinner table it's not yeah it's not a taboo topic in our household yeah I love that. I, f- I kind of feel like with my daughter, I've been just really honest and non-dramatic about things as well, you know, just sort of talking about it and saying it as it is. So yeah. then I guess you never have to have that memory or of the, the conversation or whatever, because mm-hmm. it's always been the conversation, you know, the conversation has already been, you know, it's just about part of life. It's just like, yeah, it's just what you, what the aim is. I feel we want to create an environment in our household where, Sitting and having dinner on a Wednesday night, talking about sex is just as normal as talking about how was school or um, how was gymnastics or whatever. It's like sex is normal. It's not a big deal. It's part of life. That's yeah. it. Um, but for those listening, I've got like at least three episodes of on my podcast about how to talk to kids about sex, how to talk to teenagers about sex, and I they're really uh the episodes that have had a lot of good feedback because there's mm. no resources out there for parents totally yeah i reckon would would people um maybe question or criticize com- talking about sex with younger people thinking that it might encourage them to be exploring maybe younger like before they're ready what what would you say to that oh look the reality is our kids the first a high percentage of our children, like really high, their first exposure to sex is through porn now. And that's because mm. porn is so accessible on their phones and it's just being passed around, you know, it's it's just that's, like. That's scary. Yep. It's, and at children as young as five are seeing porn. This is a reality mm. and it is scary. And so we need to be aware of it as parents. And so our kids are either going to learn about sex from porn, which a lot of teenage boys and girls are learning, and we know, we know what happens in most mainstream porn at least. Mm. Um, so they're just going, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do to a girl or that's what the boys do and, you know. Yeah. So reality is the best thing is for us to talk to them about it rather than them learn through porn. They're still going yeah. to learn through porn no matter what, I guarantee. I, I'm not in denial of that. So what I say to people who are like, oh, if you speak to ch- children too young, they're going to be sexual too young. We're all sexual beings. We're sexual mm. from the moment we're born. There's sexual energy in our body. It's nothing to be scared of, but we just need to have conscious conversations with our kids about you know, consent and all those things that set them up for fingers crossed, like, you know, a healthy sex life, no matter what yeah. age they are. I feel like one of the important things is, especially with that porn culture, is knowing that it's okay to like what you like and not like what you don't like, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much expectation created around porn. And I definitely had this for myself, even into, you know, def- into my adult life that, yeah thinking that sex had to look a certain way and if I you know I I didn't necessarily love it that way but that was sort of like the expectation and I feel like resources like um Miss Jaya that erotic blueprint yeah I don't know if you've seen that yeah 
I think I feel like things like that are so amazing for, yeah, I guess I, I'm exploring a lot in more recent years around just normalizing all sorts of different ways of experiencing sexual connection, you know, and it doesn't have to look the way that porn looks. I agree. I totally agree. And we're talking mainstream porn here, like, you know, the the big sites that are just like exploiting young people and mm. There is actually one woman called Erica Last who I just actually just interviewed on my podcast and she mm-hmm. produces um, adult film. She doesn't actually like to call it porn, but it's mm. it's with like real humans who are exploring real life concepts with real bodies, you know, and it's like beautiful lovemaking that you can watch. And I think, wow, imagine you have to pay to watch it because she, she doesn't want it just out there for everyone to watch but that's like I fully advocate for that type of porn because but not the shitty like gangbang porn and all that it's Mm. just horrific and unrealistic and yeah would you ever recommend for your like clients to go and watch something like Erica Lust just to get some ideas or start exploring different things yeah yeah for sure definitely Mm. Yeah, because sometimes we don't know what we want. And so right. when we can like see others experiencing it, like for example, we may be like tap on the lesbian sex one and be like, oh my God, this turns me on. That looks so beautiful and amazing. I want to explore that. But I didn't know it until I saw it. But it's just like you need to find the right avenues to watch. So yeah, Erica Lust stuff is great. And actually, yeah, it was really cool chatting to her and c- kind mm. of getting a bit about how she produces porn and what values she has behind mm. it. Oh, that's really cool. I think the things like that are useful. Same with that, you know, the Miss Jaya erotic blueprint that I mentioned. And also, you know, I feel like Netflix is bringing out um, a few different shows and I feel like the value in that is it that it's just normalising talking about sex openly. And I feel like, you know, I, I'm just thinking about being – couples being in long-term relationships and maybe wanting more but not having a starting point of how to even talk about these things or and like we sort of touched on you might not even know what you you might like to try so Mm. being able to watch these kind of things with your partner I feel like a really non-confrontational you know no one's going to be shamed by anything or or like feel embarrassed because it's literally like in front of you on a screen and you can just be like oh you know what do you think of that or do you like that or you know yeah. so I, feel, I feel like it's creating these and you know same with your podcasts like what an amazing resource for people to listen to or couples to listen to on a car trip together and, and mm. you know be able to discuss it openly yeah yeah I get so many people saying they listen to, listen to the podcast together on car journeys and it brings up a lot of heated conversations and interesting conversations even <laughs> yeah. like recently I had a woman who said oh I went on a car trip with friends and one of your episodes came on and we ended up like binging for six hours on the car trip mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just brought up such great conversations with us as a group so like yeah it's important that we have these resources available mm, absolutely um just to change Avenue a little bit I just thought this is kind of a random one but something that I listened to on your podcast about sex magic I thought that might be something fun to share with our audience yeah sex magic is a fun topic and not spoken about enough 
Yeah. I guess I'll just explain what it is for those who are like, oh, what is she on about? <laughs> um, so sex magic is like using the energy, the powerful energy that is our sexual energy to mm. manifest stuff in our life. How it works briefly is we set an intention before self-pleasure or before sex with somebody else. And then when we are accessing that really strong like sexual energy or orgasmic energy, it's the same thing, mm. we feel into our intention for the lovemaking session or the, the mm-hmm. self-pleasure session. And then that energy gets broadcast to the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, and there's quantum physics behind this. So um, Joe Dispenza, go read his books and you'll believe me. And, yeah, we can manifest stuff. So, like, for me, I've used sex magic to manifest career stuff, Mm -hmm. the house we live in, money stuff, like wealth, Mm. all sorts. It's really powerful. It's a really cool, fun, easy practice. That does sound fun. And I guess on on that tangent, I was curious, you know, we touched right in the very beginning on sort of the, the 10 years that you and I have both been on our current career trajectories. And um, I loved how open you were in a in a post around how, you know, when you first met Nick and I think you were saying something about your general sort of financial situation, but, you know, you're very happy together, obviously. But I just think it's interesting and I think it's worth noting that, you know, from the outside five years in, you know, you looked very successful to me and I think when people are starting a business and they expect to be really successful straight away and the reality is with you know there's years even before you know that that your first client as a sexologist 10 years ago I mean there's years and years of you know progress before that with your yoga and even you know, having your daughter all those things that that build a career and build a successful business so, yeah, I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about your business and about how you run your business. I know that you've had you shifted gears a little bit to make sure your business is aligned with you and how what and your needs as a woman and as a mother. I'd just yeah. love to hear, hear a little bit about that. Oh, God, where do I start? It's been like such a journey. Um, yeah, my business has always been based around like – wanting to be a really great mother that's been my driving force Mm. and so for me what that means is when my daughter was younger like being able to drop her at school and pick her up and having Mm. the flexibility with hours and then yeah like being there for her on the weekends all those things that really drove me to create Mm. a business that allowed me a lot of freedom And then I've always had like a bigger vision for my life and bigger goals. And so everything I do in business, it isn't just about like, oh, I want to create a book and make this amount of money. It's like, how does that feed into my bigger vision? So um, when, you know, coaching, I coach people around business too. And it's like, it's not just about like, oh, you should post this post because it'll get you sales it's like let's always look at the bigger picture and how this feeds into that so it's been a journey and you know it's it's like it's been 10 years as a sexologist and it's yeah there's been so many up and down ups and downs 
And financially, yeah, like I said in that recent post about like my story with Nick, like when we met five years ago, we were in very different places financially to where we Mm. are now. And a big part of that though has also been aside from business success and, you know, creating things that people love and want to buy, it's Mm. like working on our own money stories that we, we picked up when we were kids and actively working on that so that that doesn't get in the way of success because, you know, we can suddenly make 100K, let's, for example, and be like, oh, my God, I've got 100K in my bank account. Mm. And then because we're not comfortable in our system with having that much money, just sabotage it straight away. Yeah. And then we're back to zero and we're like, oh, our system's like, oh, I'm comfortable again because now I'm back to zero and this is where I've been for 40 years. Perfect. Mm. And then we're like, why am I broke <laughs> again? You know, so like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's important work for sure. I feel like I saw you um, say something also about working with your cycle, like with your menstrual cycle in terms of your energy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I This is a big one for me. I have been yeah. doing this for years. So, like, I track my cycle actively, have been for mm. years. It, I'm lucky I have a very regular 29-day cycle. And so... What I do is I always know where I'm at, like what season in my cycle am I in? Mm. Am I in summer, autumn, winter or spring? And then I forecast like my plans around that. Like I not forecast, I plan my life around that. So, for example, if I'm running an event or a new workshop or something, I'll look at my calendar and go, okay, next month on the 22nd of September, whatever, I'm ovulating. That's the perfect time to run that new masterclass so Mm. I'll always run and this is in relation to business but we can do this in relation to anything I'll always run things when I'm ovulating when Mm -hmm. I'm bleeding um, I'll always do way less commitments yeah because I have less energy and I'm in the winter phase so I'm wanting to rest like today I'm bleeding so I am like you know I have the heater on in the room I'm like nesting I've had like a hot cacao I'm not Mm -hmm. going anywhere today I'm not exercising so I'm really like honoring my body and letting it bleed rather than push 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 yeah and I find this really works could you just briefly so obviously winter is when you're bleeding and so that's when you're resting summer's ovulation and more energy yeah what about spring and autumn are there typical like energies or specific things that might be good to do in those times yeah so summer as you said summer is ovulation um summer autumn is when we come out of that summer autumn winter so we come out of the summer phase which is where we're more social and out there Mm -hmm. and we have lots of creative ideas and then we go into autumn which is kind of like that descent into winter that's when our energy can drop a little bit, especially in the later stages of autumn. And then we go into winter, which is day one of winter is when we start bleeding. And then there's spring and that's when, you know, approximately seven days after we start bleeding, we start to feel the energy surge again. And we're like out in the world again. We want to socialize more. Um, The ideas start coming. And this is just for people who are cyclical and have a womb and and bleed. It's not everyone, but Um, this is the cycle that we're just going through and I speak about this heaps in detail in um, pleasure school I have a couple of lessons on it and I also have it for business people not just women a master class called embodied pleasure in business and it's Mm. a two hour two and a half hour master class and it talks about not just 
this, but it, a big section of it is about how to do business around mm. your cycle, which I think is a really a conversation that isn't had enough. Yeah, because, I mean, so many people are disconnected from the whole cycle and what's going on in their womb and in their, in their womb area in general. It actually surprises me. I forget. I really mm. forget how many... I recently said something on Instagram about menstrual like apps, you know, that can just track mm. the cycle. And I had two pe- types of people who inboxed me, people who were like, you need to educate more about, you know, um, more than just using an app. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. But right now, like people don't even have the app. So let's just get right. them, you know, on an app yeah. and then we yeah. do that. And then there was other people who I know, lots of so many people I know, women who were like, oh, I guess I should start tracking. Hey, and I was like, hang on. Mm. You're not tracking your cycle? Like I'm shocked. <laughs> like this is like the foundation of for me of womanhood is like knowing that. But you know, we're not taught it. It's not in schools, it's not in sex education, it's no one's fault. Yeah. Well, that's why we have conversations like this and people like you sharing all your wisdom. Yeah, true. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I know there's women listening who are like, oh my God, what app does she recommend? I don't yes, have one I, I recommend. Do. I use this real old school one I've been using for years. So just like go on the app store and find yeah. one and just start. Don't get too yeah. finicky about what app to use. I use Natural Cycles, which oh, cool. I quite like. Yeah. Okay, great. There's a recommendation. Yes. Um, and I just want to be mindful of the time. So mm-hmm. before um, we jump off the call, could you – you referred a few times to um, different offerings that people can – get from you where's the best place for people to find you yeah okay so you can go to I guess social media is Juliet J-U-L-I-E-T underscore Allen A-L-L-E-N you'll find everything on there mm-hmm. if you are not on social media you can go to my website which is Juliet-Allen.com and then there's offerings on there pleasure school is a 12-month experience with like Mm -hmm. heaps and heaps of classes and home study and all different teachers, that's a really great resource for people that's very holistic. So, so much. And then my podcast, Authentic Sex. Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Juliet. That's so amazing and I hope it's really inspired people to um, go and download some of your resources and and start exploring. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a good good combo good to connect after all this time yeah thank you thank you thank you for journeying with us today we trust you received the wisdom shared in this episode if you felt the resonance of the conversation and think it will support other people please subscribe share this episode and leave a review importantly before we go we'd like to acknowledge country and the Bundjalung nation that we are recording this podcast on We have so much gratitude for the abundant land we live upon that nourishes and heals us and we hold deep reverence for the First Nations people that care for our country and for the wisdom they keep. May we be open to continue to learn and grow.